As farmers and ranchers, it's easy to think the word retirement doesn't apply to us because let's be real, are we ever really going to stop working? In this episode, Tim Bauer with Evergreen Financial Group talks to us about why it's so important to think about your financial future. Retirement investments aren't just for people with a 9 to 5, and they can help set you up for financial freedom later in life. Tim discusses how to get started in retirement investing, some of the many options you may run into, and what investing looks like at different stages in life. We are excited to talk to Tim today about the financial world, so thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks Caroline. I appreciate you inviting me, and I'm excited for our conversation today. Why don't you start by giving us a little bit of background about who you are and what you do in this financial planner capacity? Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, I uh, appreciate you again having me on here and for just taking some time to dive into this space a little bit. So it's certainly a, a broad industry, one that's always changing. So that's one of the best things about my job is that uh, I'm always learning, I'm always growing, and there's things that I uh, thought that I knew maybe well or better than others. And I'm learning all the time that I'm just needing to actually get more into that space and learn more about it. So for one, that's one of the main draws that I have towards this industry is being able to constantly grow and learn and improve my own skill set. As far as how I got into the the business, I actually started straight out of college. I worked as a essentially customer service rep was actually an onboard trainee for a stockbroker position. Worked for a large discount firm that mainly did trades online, but also had a local office. Uh, With that, I was able to combine a lot of technology ability of people being able to trade and do things online with uh, the customer service aspect of it, which I really enjoyed having kind of both aspects of it. So started there, got licensed through the SEC and through FINRA, which is a couple of the regulatory bodies that uh, govern the financial industry. Worked kind of through that for a while, got uh, all the licensing done, Worked with uh, some kind of consistent clients for the most part, slowly built relationships with a lot of those individuals and some of those corporations and entities through just their self-directed trading. Eventually got into more of the financial planning world with kind of a corporate buyout that happened and then um, eventually got my certified financial planner designation and then started actually working with people holistically when it comes to retirement, you know, setting up education planning, estate planning, and taxes as well. So that course probably took about seven years or so to really kind of get developed in that. I've been doing financial planning full-time now for about four years um, and then recently launched my uh, my own firm, Evergreen Financial Group, in 2021. Uh, we celebrated our one-year anniversary back in February. And so now I'm working exclusively for, an in- for financial planning clients, those that are needing that in-depth kind of you know tax planning, retirement planning, holistic um, relationships. This is definitely such an important topic because I feel like farmers and ranchers typically have a board of directors in life, but a lot of times it does not include a financial planner. And some of that is because they don't really like to have the conversation about money. Some of it might be a trust issue, but I think that this is certainly a flaw that we see in a good chunk of agriculture businesses, not having someone who's on their team that really helps them plan for the future. Absolutely. One of my major missions in life is to create a generation of farmers and ranchers who do not have to rely on their children for retirement. So let's talk a little bit about retirement planning. When should you start saving options if you haven't started and you should have? 
Talk to me all things retirement. Absolutely. Yeah, retirement's uh, actually a really enjoyable topic to talk about if, if it's done right. <laughs> Certainly, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this maybe um, don't feel that they are prepared or, or have some anxiety about it, which is absolutely totally normal. And that's not something that you should totally shy away from it, though. So absolutely, retirement is, is something that anyone should consider. And I encourage people not to put a kind of a wrapper around it as it comes to, you know, oh, I have to go retire somewhere, live on the beach and, you know, just sit around all day. And that's absolutely not the case. Retirement can be an ever-changing, evolving dynamic that I think a lot of people should should really evaluate and maybe look at it through different lenses. It's also something that's going to change. You know, as you get into retirement, you know, there's going to be different phases of that particular part of your life as well, not just, you know, retirement as a whole, but retirement in itself will change. And so as it relates to, you know, the agriculture industry, I've seen a lot of farmers and ranchers really take maybe a step back and, and look at what they want to do as opposed to, you know, kind of what they have to do. Obviously, you know, there's things that are involved with running a ranch and running a farm that, that has to be done on a day-to-day basis. You know, if those things are kind of taken out of the equation and you're able to focus on what you enjoy doing. You know, does that involve, you know, maybe spending more time, you know, with those other people that are maybe going to be running the ranch now and kind of mentoring them, going and, uh, you know, serving on maybe other types of committees or other types of organizations that provide you joy in that space, but maybe aren't necessarily the daily grind, so to speak, of of all the chores and all the things that you have to be doing. So I think desire is is a big factor to consider when it comes to retirement and, you know, what are your big desires that maybe you want to do now, or maybe you've put off for years or maybe even decades that now you, you maybe have the time or the, the capacity to do if the financial you know wherewithal is now there for you to be able to do that. So as a part of that, you mentioned Dean talking about money. I think that that definitely is something that's important to think about. Some of the things that money kind of brings up are, you know, what is the money really going to be used for? It's great to have money in the bank and we all want that, you know, big nest egg and constant income stream, but it doesn't do us any good when, uh, you know, we're no longer here. And, uh, you know, I think finding that balance between having enough for our, our kids to be able to run their lifestyle the way they want to, but also be able to enjoy what we've worked so hard for is important. So having someone there to, to trust, I think it's important to have someone who knows your situation, someone that maybe speaks your language. If it's somebody that you feel maybe has some experience in the agricultural world, but maybe now focuses more on the financial world, I think that's a great avenue to consider. And there's kind of more of a specialty. But I think in general, just developing a relationship with someone who knows what you want to do allows them to kind of frame that to you. And that's really how that that begins to build that really that identification of what the money is to be used for you to do. Even if you don't want to you know, make big changes right away, but someone who you're able to start kind of communicating to, like, if I want to relocate, uh, if I want to you know, maybe spend some time in a warmer state in the winter, or if I want to spend more time with kids, grandkids, what does that travel look like? What does that budget look like? How about the uh, the corporate entity of our farmer ranch? You know, have we explored what that's going to look like when maybe a next generation or a potential buyer comes in who's going to now be running the business? Just having some familiarity with that, I think, eventually leads to some stronger, deeper conversations where that person that you're trusting really has your best interest at heart and wants to see you succeed as well. Yeah, so this is a little off the retirement topic, but something that you brought up and I also realized I mentioned, how do you find someone to work with that you trust? What are some questions that you should ask? What are some ways that you should approach maybe like interviewing a financial planner as a family or as a business to decide who you want to work with? Absolutely. Well, uh, the good thing is right now, there are a plethora of resources. So (laughs) this one uh, is actually very 
close to me because I, I do embrace technology. There's a lot of ways that technology can bring us together when distance is maybe you know, maybe a factor, especially here in Montana, Wyoming, some of these, you know, larger plains, Rocky Mountain states, you know, we're not always right next to each other. So, so there's a lot of great resources out there. Certainly, uh, I would recommend looking for a financial planner who is a fee-only financial planner. And so that's a, an important distinction. That's, again, fee-only. You know, fee sometimes is what a lot of people focus on, but it's really just a distinction. And what that means is that someone who's working in a, a capacity that we call a fiduciary, which is someone who's required to put your best interest first, generally will, will be best fitted to a fee-only type of a compensation model. What fee only means is that the only way that you get paid is through the fees that your clients pay you, as opposed to, you know, maybe getting a commission or some type of ongoing trailer from a financial product that someone's recommending. The only way that they basically get paid is through an assets under management structure, or in other words, you're, you're getting fees based on a level of assets that you're managing, as opposed to trying to kind of pitch the next best product. There, there's a lot of different ways to do that, but essentially a fee-only planner will be someone who's generally able to give you very solid advice. And to find someone like that, there's several different resources. In the Montana area here, there are actually nationwide. A couple of the, the affiliations that you can search for is one is called XY Planning Network. They're an online firm that allows you to search nationwide for a planner that's in your area. A few other ones is called NAPFA, N-A-P-F-A dot org. The National Association of Personal Financial Advisors. Those are strictly going to be fee-only planners. And then the last one is going to be feeonlynetwork.com. And that allows you to also search for a planner that might be in your area. That allows you to really find that best fit in that fiduciary fee-only capacity. Not to say that there aren't others in you know, other areas, but those would be the main ones I would recommend. I can certainly you know provide any other resources on that as well, but that's what I would recommend going. Great. The other thing that I just want to remind the listeners too is we want to make sure that you don't have to use the same financial planner that your parents do. That's just Absolutely. something that I think we should mention because sometimes we feel that we have to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a great point. It should be suited to your needs and what you need. And you don't always need the same things as your parents, grandparents, et cetera. Perfect. Let's jump back into retirement and talk about the whole retirement picture and how do you balance risk and return when thinking about different kinds of investments, not only, you know, 401ks, but potential rental properties, things like that. So how do you balance those risks and returns when looking at your overall retirement plan? It's a great question. Certainly, it's uh, everybody has a puzzle. That's the way I look at it. You know, there's larger puzzles, there's smaller puzzles, there's, you know, going to be puzzles that have pieces that, you know, you don't know how they're going to fit into the whole thing, but they do. And finding that right balance is, is really what I enjoy most, you know, about working with people and, and finding that right fit. And so, so retirement, like I said, is, is really an ever-changing dynamic. The more pieces that you have involved in that, the really the more important that planning does become. You know, planning is, is really a best efforts basis to achieve the best possible outcome, really into achieving your, your overall goals. The more that you have involved, the more complicated it becomes, but really the more levers and the more tools that you do have in your tool belt as well. So obviously, you know, real estate is, you know, a big factor, I would say, with a lot of people that I work with, especially in the, you know, the Rocky Mountain states here in Montana and Wyoming. You know, real estate certainly adds a lot of benefits from a stability standpoint, from the ability just to know, you know, what it is that you hold. You have the the assets in front of you, you can touch it, you can feel it. And maybe you know, you know, your piece of property better than anybody else. There's certainly a lot of benefits to the real estate side of things. But you know, again, that planning side of things is, is really the most important aspect of that. I would say, you know, second to, you know, just the overall planning is really going to be starting as early as possible. 
and defining what it is that you want to do, getting that kind of clear vision really helps everybody involved to know kind of where, you know, the things are going, where we're heading, and allows you to really get on board and get your team behind you. From there, you know, once we kind of have the goals established, which is one of the first things that I do with clients is to really kind of have a session where we just talk about things other than numbers. You know, that kind of soft aspect, some of those things that uh, that really mean the most to you, some of the main goals, the main vision, you know, what your family is, is really rooted in. Those types of things really help to kind of steer that conversation. From there, then, you know, we definitely get into the importance of, you know, tax management, you know, making sure that all of our investments are efficient, getting into, you know, taking full advantage of, say, IRA or 401k deductions. We have a large tax year. It may be those that are charitably inclined or want to give towards certain organizations or nonprofit organizations, you know, utilizing those tax benefits. And then also making sure that our risk level is aligned to with those investments. If we do have a lot in real estate, maybe we have a large homestead or or, or place that we're, we're using. Maybe we're not investing in um, properties with inside of our 401k or inside of our other investment vehicles and kind of excluding those that way. You know, each piece is working where it should. So there's there's a lot of different levers to pull there. I think the earlier also, uh, you'd mentioned, you know, not relying on our kids to necessarily provide for us, but I think involving them in the planning conversation as early as possible as well, if it is a, a matter of, you know, possible succession or, or giving, you know, ownership maybe to the next generation, bringing them in at least partially into the vision is important, I think, to helping you know, the whole family out as a whole. And I think it also creates a stronger bond with those that are looking to eventually kind of transition out, helps the whole family get on board with the overall vision. I think vision is so important because it looks so different for each operation and their goals in retirement. Absolutely. Just, yeah, completely sets that conversation, really, really sets that guiding light and gives you, I mean, a lot of, a lot of joy, honestly. There's certainly a lot that you can find joy in on the day-to-day side of things, but, you know, anytime you start talking about kind of some of those dreams or some of those things you really want to do, I think it, it lightens the mood and gets everybody kind of excited. Absolutely. What are some common mistakes you see in people's retirement plans? Yeah. So, you know, retirement planning is, I think, a matter of not necessarily making the the right choice because there can always be a lot of right choices or, you know, maybe things you can take, but avoiding the bad choices. I, I like in retirement to, you know, basically just driving on a road to your destination. You know, you're, if you're like me, sometimes you, you might uh, get a little distracted at times and find yourself maybe drifting or catching some of our great views up here on some of our Montana highways, but you can always course correct. And as long as you're aware of what you're doing and, and staying focused, staying out of the ditches is, is the best thing I would say. So people who generally try to take a ultra conservative approach who are maybe afraid of investing or, or don't listen to prudent counsel or listen to maybe somebody who said, you know, hey, I, I lost it all. You know, don't do this, don't do this type thing. And the sky is falling. They end up not getting enough return to really meet their goals. And so that's a, that's a risk and that's a ditch when it comes to being too conservative. On the other side of the equation, uh, those who are too aggressive and, you know, don't trust the process or maybe feel that they need to take on too much risk fall into the other ditch. And so as long as we can really maintain that that forward momentum, staying on the road, we're going to have times where we maybe get distracted or, or find things that try to pull us in one way or the other. And, and those things are going to come. But as long as we try to maintain our direction, try to maintain our focus on our overall destination, eventually that path is going to lead us there and we're going to stay out of those ditches. You might have mentioned it earlier, but like if you could wave a magic wand, when would you want people to start investing for retirement? You know, uh, I've seen everybody who has maintained intentionality 
towards retirement generally have a good outcome. So I would say, you know, that's certainly the most important aspect is, is just knowing what you want and being intentional towards it. However, I would say those that have some type of, of clear direction, usually I would say in their, you know, 20s, uh, if they're at least starting that, that process, are able to really adapt their lifestyle around that overall retirement goal. Now, again, that's, you know, I would say the optimal scenario. Saving for retirement, I use a 10, 15, and 20 approach. So usually those who start investing in their 20s usually can afford to save 10%, usually for retirement. Those who save in their 30s can usually start with about 15. And those who start in their 40s, generally about 20% towards any you know, retirement goals. Those are just rough numbers. That really, I think, is kind of a good starting point just because generally most people in their 20s are going to be just starting out. They're going to have a, a long time frame towards retirement. But I think ultimately they're thinking about it, which is the most important thing. Again, even if you don't start until your 40s, you still have that intentionality towards it, but you have steps that you're taking towards that in your 20s. That's usually the the best case, but I've seen people start investing in their 40s and, and even 50s that have had great retirement. Perfect. So the sooner the better, but also just understanding that it's not too late. So you need to just get started. Absolutely. Yep. Exactly. Just just take that step. And, you know, you might not know exactly where you're going right away, but as long as you're moving in that right direction, that's the most important thing. Perfect. So let's dive into a little bit of accounts and um, types of accounts. What do you recommend as far as different types of accounts to invest? What are the possibilities? Certainly. Yeah, there's, there's lots uh, out there. So, you know, ultimately, uh, this comes back to what it is that you're trying to achieve. If it is a goal of retirement, kind of with some parentheses around that, quote unquote, tax advantaged account is going to give you a little bit of a benefit over over maybe just a, say, a corporate account or a, a joint account that's in, you know, maybe a, a husband and wife situation or father, son, father, daughter, you know, parent, kid type of a situation um, just because of the taxes. So a, a tax advantaged account is going to be one such as a traditional IRA, a Roth IRA, 401k possibly a pension plan. I've seen some of those set up with, you know, corporations in the past. But really the, the advantage of those is that you get a tax deduction either when you put it in or you you have some tax-free growth whenever those those assets do come out at retirement. Generally speaking, the, the younger you are, the more you want to invest in tax-free accounts. And those are going to generally be Roth IRAs and a 401k with a Roth provision in it. With that, you do not get a tax break whenever you put that in for your current income tax but you do get tax-free growth. And really what that leads to is kind of that nest egg at the end for retirement. And that's going to allow you to take that money out for you know any retirement goals that you're looking for as long as you reach retirement age, which the government does define at 59 and a half. But so there are some other stipulations there. But generally, you know, if we're looking at say around 60, you know, and you're say 25, 35, even 45, you know, a Roth IRA is going to give you a lot of tax benefits for that eventual retirement goal. If we're going to be looking at, you know, maybe some tax breaks now, maybe we're in our 50s, maybe the operation is producing great returns. We have a high bracket now as far as our taxes go. There might be some benefits to putting some of that money in on a tax deferred basis, such as a traditional IRA or traditional 401k. That's going to give you a tax break now when you're at your highest income earning years and uh, allow you to, to save that money. Unfortunately, you don't get that money tax-free at retirement, but it does grow tax-deferred and you don't pay those taxes on any gains until you do take that money out at retirement. And so that's you know certainly some of those, I guess, uh, best case scenarios, like you said, as it, as it relates to you know, investing. One other quick point I just want to mention is anyone who is looking to save for retirement, save for that long-term investing goal. I know 
you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, cash needs a lot of times with cattle and with, you know, agriculture in general, with crop cycles and those types of things. You know, money generally invested should be invested without the intention of maybe withdrawing it for those cash needs. Something I've ran into is, is you know, maybe kind of looking at it as a secondary source of liquidity. And although that can be the case, I think those generally those those two goals should be separated. I think there should be, a, you know, maybe a cash reserve bucket or, a you know, an emergency fund or some type of liquid accessible fund. And then we should have a separate bucket for retirement and those types of, of situations, just because I've seen some of those returns get hampered when, say, maybe things aren't good in the operation and we need to pull some cash out. That just so happens to coincide with maybe a short-term market drop. Really, we haven't gained anything because we're taking that out. It really kind of more or less the, the worst time. So separating those two buckets, I think, is important as well for the particular audience that maybe we're, we're speaking to right now. Great. I know there's lots of talk about different types of funds. What is the difference between mutual funds and exchange traded funds? And how do we know which ones to use? There are certainly a lot of talk about that, yes. Um, <laughs> there's really a lot of overlap between mutual funds and ETFs. And I would say, again, you know, there's not necessarily a, a wrong answer there as far as which one to use. I'd say it depends on the goals that you're looking for. Without kind of getting into too much of the, the nuance, generally I, I recommend you know, ETFs for people who have maybe a longer time horizon, people who are looking to you know really get that growth potential out of their funds. You know, maybe the 20 plus year time horizons, ETFs have been shown to produce great passive returns because of their low cost and because of their exposure to all the different asset classes that provide a lot of growth. For instance, the S&P 500 or the Russell 2000 to throw some benchmarks there. So that's in general what I would recommend for maybe those who are just looking to strictly grow the money. For maybe someone who's looking to produce an income stream in retirement, who's you know, looking at retiring soon and you know, needs maybe some more consistent draws on their, their portfolio. Mutual funds do provide an aspect of a little more active management. A mutual fund is generally going to have a fund manager who is tasked with really carrying out the aspects and the, the goals of the fund. For instance, if there's a fund that is designed to produce income for its fund holders, it may actually have a really, really good fund manager that's able to produce some good returns. You're, you're paying those fees to that fund manager a little bit more than with an ETF, but you're getting a lot of value out of that because of the fact that you're getting that goal out of that money for income, which is aligning with your goal. And so I think that's generally going to be a little more up to maybe some of the more retirement accounts, what we call the distribution phase, where people are actually withdrawing money out of their account, as opposed to the uh, accumulation phase, which is generally going to be that ETF portfolio approach. Again, there's there's definitely some overlap there. Some ETFs actually work better than mutual funds when income is needed and vice versa. Some mutual funds work great for growth and provide a lot of growth potential that ETFs don't. But again, it just it depends on really which which kind of goal is, is designed you know, for that portfolio. That's really valuable information. I did not know the difference between the two of them, but then it also got me thinking, so once you've established a relationship with a financial planner and you're on track to be investing in your retirement, it's probably automatically being drawn out, right? How often should you meet with them? Is this a yearly thing? Is this a, if you have substantial changes, how often do you encourage your customers to meet with you? Yeah, so there's certainly a, a large, I would say, correlation to, uh, I'll use the term dating when it comes to your, your financial planner relationship. There's generally a little bit of a courtship phase when we first get started. And I say that a little tongue in cheek, but it's, generally there's a little more time spent on the front. And then as time goes on, generally that kind of starts to even out and, and not that it becomes less important, but generally some of those initial steps 
are not as as time consuming. So I would say, for, you know, in the first year, generally there's uh, I would say three to four meetings within about the first 90 days. That's to get a lot of paperwork done, to get a lot of those initial kind of goal you know, evaluation done and to really get to know each other and kind of to start that courting phase, understanding, you know, how each person operates, communication styles, how their attitudes are, and really how they prefer to communicate. Some people, you know, really love to do meetings maybe in the evenings or maybe, you know, over lunch hours, and those are really the best times for them to talk. So getting those kind of appointment times established, that can take a little bit longer. Once after, you know, kind of that initial 90 days, usually I'd say the first six months after that generally is, you know, maybe once a month contact just to, you know, confirm things. Hey, transfers are set up. Um, you know, these accounts are set up. Here is the online logins for these accounts that you can go in. You can monitor, like I said, all the technology out there these days. There's mobile apps you can download. There are a lot of different just tools you can use to log into online. Really kind of, again, once that 90 days to six month time frame is established, we generally get into about a once every six month meeting. I would say that's pretty much par for the course across most of my client base. If there are people who are, you know, maybe looking at managing a corporation or other assets outside of their own personal uh, finances, then, you know, maybe we meet a little bit more actively because there might be some other stipulations involved, different tax filing deadlines, you know, maybe other contribution or payout timeframes, those types of things. But the, the six month window is usually a pretty good window because it lets people kind of take time to kind of gather thoughts in between meetings to, again, continue to evaluate their progress with maybe friends and family and not get too overwhelmed with maybe the day-to-day, -day, you know, fluctuations in the market. And then also to just the way the market operates. Generally, we see market operate within a 18 to 24-month window cycle on average, as studies show. This is, you know, just kind of a, a rough rule of thumb, but, you know, generally you're going to see some type of a change substantially within a six-month window with the market that might make you want to make a change. But if you go shorter than that, really, you're you're kind of trying to watch a roller coaster. That's just not fruitful to me more frequently than that. Yeah, that's great advice. Every six months seems very reasonable. I can already hear some of our audience saying, well, I don't ever plan on retiring or I'm going to work, you know, until the end of my life on this farmer ranch. Talk to me a little bit about the <laughs> difference between retirement investing and actually retiring. So it's, you know, retiring, we think of, I don't know, the local banker, right? They throw a party. It's like today is his last day of work. And I think that when we think about retirement funds, we're like, okay, then you start using those funds. And that's not necessarily how it works. And why do we still need retirement funds, even if we plan on working forever? Absolutely. There's a lot of truth to that. It's not for everybody to, you know, have that kind of set date. I think we as humans, uh, you know, transition gradually. And there's actually a lot of studies on this, as you mentioned, you know, not ever retiring or maybe not wanting to. My wife's grandparents actually on both sides are uh, sheep and cattle ranchers. They still both live on their, their properties and still, I'd say, work and contribute towards those to some degree. You know, granted, now they're, they're in their 80s and 70s, so not as active, obviously, but it still is something that they do and they, you know, will continue doing that as part of their lifestyle. So I don't think there's ever a situation where you know, that should be considered as, as a hard exit. I think it should be a transition gradually into those things. You know, I think as far as retirement funds and, and how do we, you know, maybe access the, that money and use that money towards retirement it should be looked at, I think, as a supplement to what we're doing in, in our lifestyle. I think, you know, when we look at the active lifestyle of active 
employment or active ranching, active farming. You know, we're exchanging dollars for days. We're exchanging our labor, our time for that money. As we, you know, grow out of that, potentially, you know, if we don't have, a, say, a corporate pension or some of those other benefits of people who you know, maybe worked for a company over their lifetime, some of that income needs to be replaced in one way or another. And really, that's what those retirement funds are to be used for is to replace that income that maybe you're not getting as much at now that you're not actively producing those agricultural goods and services. So looking at that as just that replacement, you can continue on your lifestyle, but that retirement bucket is really there for you to be able to enjoy that life that maybe you want to live that now you're just being able to now. Absolutely. And I also think, you know, there's no harm in getting to that age in life and having some extra funds ready. I mean, we never know. Medically, I mean, there's a lot of things. It just gives you more options and more freedom to be able to do what you want to do. And also, You know, I know several families who've used the retirement funds to purchase more land or to upgrade something. And so it gives you more freedom to continue to do what you want just with some money you've set aside for later in life. Yeah, well said, well said. It's a multifaceted approach. So, you know, that's a goal. Absolutely. That, That money is there for you and it's a resource for you to use. Where can some of our listeners either reach out to you, find more information about what you do, and connect with you? Absolutely. Um, I'm on um, several different social channels. If you enjoy social, I do produce a a weekly newsletter, and then you can also find me through uh, my website. Uh, It's Evergreen, F-I, that stands for financial, and then group, G-R-O-U-P dot com. You can also reach me by phone. I don't know if you'll be publishing this with a number, but my phone number is 406-272-2828. Or feel free to email me directly. My email is tim at evergreenfigroup.com. Welcome any type of communication channel. I work virtually with clients around the country. So work in person if anyone's around the Montana area. Love to set up a time to meet. Have a cup of coffee. uh, Be able to just discuss your situation in general. Absolutely no cost or obligation in any way. But Looking forward to, you know, continuing to help improve clients' lives through, you know, that financial planning and just enjoy being able to help people just to get to a better place in their life and maybe find that happy medium to where they're, you know, able to be financially free, able to explore those things without finances being a burden to them. So any of those channels work to contact me. Perfect. Well, I really appreciate you joining us today. I know this is a conversation we all know is important. And at least in my experience, it's not something that is talked about enough. And so I really encourage, you know, make the phone call, interview some people, but it's our obligation to make sure that we start to put some money away. And, you know, it can be 10 bucks a month. It's not something that's going to cost you thousands and thousands, just making sure it's getting done. Yep, exactly. I think so. Uh, The more that you can align that vision with what you want to do, I think eventually you're going to be in better state overall. And I'd say you'd be surprised at just how quickly you can see you know, maybe your situation changed and maybe things that you didn't think were possible now became possible. So I've seen it uh, happen several times and I'm confident it could happen for our listeners here too. Perfect. Thank you so much um, for joining. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Caroline. I really appreciate your time as well. And to all our listeners here, thank you for tuning in to us. Hope this has been valuable and uh, look forward to hopefully meeting one or, or multiple of you at some point. So thanks again, Caroline. Yep. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Kettleman U podcast. Don't forget to follow and subscribe at kettlemanulive.com slash podcast so you never miss an episode. And remember, the grass is greener where you water it.